Welcome to the Emerging Leaders Podcast, where I chat to leaders from around the globe from all different leadership levels. I am your host, Wendy Tansey, and today I travel back across the United States where I chat with Stephanie Scheller, who is the owner of Grow Disrupt, which is an, a San Antonio-based training organization for small businesses. Stephanie is an accomplished speaker and has been behind the scenes with more than two and a half thousand companies in the past five years, where she's analyzed and addressed their sales, marketing, and their systems. Stephanie is a TEDx speaker, a Forbes 30 Under 30 nominee, a 2020 Woman Business Owner of the Year Award recipient, a two-time best-selling author, an entrepreneur, a coach, and a trainer and is dedicated to teaching the same skills that allowed her to build her business from scratch and walk away from her corporate job in less than five months. Wow. Okay, please join me in a warm welcome for Miss Stephanie Scheller. I know you will love this interview as much as I love talking to Stephanie. Welcome, Stephanie, to my podcast on Emerging Leaders, and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I'm super excited, and plus, I just, you know, we talked about this, you know, previously, but just you, exactly what you're talking about is so needed, and, and you know, I know we'll get into my story and my background, but uh, it just resonates. It resonates. I feel the need for this podcast. Awesome. So do I. There's so many new leaders out there or people becoming leaders that just have not had that opportunity to upskill or reskill. So Mm -hmm. tell me about yourself. Tell me all about Stephanie. No, all about Stephanie. Okay. So, um, well, you know, as a, as a child, um, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) 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 We won't go back that far. Um, no, but I mean, you know, this is like, I just kind of referenced my first job was in sales. And at the end of my first year, my manager came to me and he said, you know, Hey, Stephanie, um, so excited. You did great. You know, we're really proud to have you. Uh, we're, we're looking for someone to take over the, the, the retention team. And really we need someone who can turn around our retention numbers and really, you know, our, our retention, they're just, they're just not great. You know, we're not retaining, you know, we got like a 30% retention and you are the retention. Like it's only your clients that are lasting a year or longer. Um, so after, you know, some back and forth, I said, sure, I'll take it over. And my first day as, you know, the retention manager, all of a sudden I had this realization like, oh my gosh, I'm actually managing a team now. Like, this isn't just me. Like, it's not just about the retention numbers. I have to, I have to actually manage a team. I have to take care of people. Like I'm doing these, you know, meeting with my new team. Right. Yeah. And they were all people I knew cause they were managing my accounts, but like I'm meeting with them all and they're sharing like their hopes and their dreams and their frustrations and their fears. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there taking notes and just trying to keep a compassionate look on my face. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to do? I don't know anything about doing this and managing people and leading a team. And, ah, and it was just this panic moment. And that was my first introduction to 
to being a boss. Um, and then from there, my next panic moment as a, as a boss, as a leader. So I, I ran the team. I managed the team. I did really well. I went home and I ordered a bunch of like articles and books on how to be a leader. That was my, my crash course. Um, and then I did really well with that. We, we turned the team around. We're not the team. We turned the retention numbers around. We did great. And then when I left there, uh, about a year and a half later, and I was running my own business, I had this realization of like, oh my gosh, I have to manage myself now. And it took me, it took me a while to have that realization of, oh my gosh, like I am my own manager. I am my own boss. And I kind of suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, that was like a whole nother like learning moment of like, okay, so I can manage a team, but how do I manage myself? How do I lead myself? Yeah. And so that's really my, like my whole story has been this, like, I'm not a leader. Oh wait. Yes, I am. <laughs> again yeah. and again. Yeah. So when you started, we'll come back to managing yourself, but when you started, what would the, apart from the realization that all of a sudden you had to manage people, what, what was mm -hmm. the biggest challenge in that? And what skills do you, did you feel that you were lacking? Well, the biggest challenge was balancing being there for my team and making sure that my team felt that I had their backs and that they could trust me and they could come to me and that we were a team. Because up until that moment, that, that, that team had just been running, like they were just, you know, two people who were just running their own little, like they, they kind of knew what they were, but they weren't really a team. They just split up the accounts and they kind of ran themselves. And so realizing that I had to be able to help these guys feel like, hey, Steph's got my back and I can trust her and I can go to her with stuff. Um, and also dealing with the politics of working inside a large corporation. Because there are, there are politics and there's, you know, you're dealing with having to lay down mandates and instructions that you don't agree with. Um, you know, that don't go in line with your leadership style, right? You know, the, the day I had to go to my team and say, hey we're not getting commission checks anymore. Sorry. You know, that was not a fun day. And it definitely wasn't my decision. I never would have agreed to cancel all of my team's commission checks, right? It was something that was handed down from on high that I had to figure out a way to stay true to who I was as a leader and still have my team feel like I have their backs and I'm taking care of them yeah. while balancing that those you know, those politics and that's, that stuff that the external influences that impact how you lead that you just, you have to deal with, um, they're going to crop up. And I think those were really the biggest lessons I learned and the biggest challenges I had. Yeah. It, it is one of those difficulties, isn't it? When you're, you know, as a, you're not the top manager, but you have to implement some of the decisions that you don't have a say in. Yeah. It's an interesting challenge. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. And it really, you know, it, it came down to the, how do you, how do you deliver the information to your team? Right. Cause I think everyone, I think, well, I think a lot of people deal with this. Um, I don't think I'm alone in ha in having that issue. Um, and it was just, you know, I found the best way I always, I'm the kind of person, like, I feel the best thing to do in a bad situation is take the direct path. Like, Yes. First thing I did, as soon as I found out, I went into my team. There was no, like I didn't, there was no waiting around. And I went in and I said, Hey, we need to talk real quick. Come on, come on, come on. 
guys, this is what's going on. And I don't have all the answers right now, but I'm going to get some answers. I'm going to get more information. We're going to sort this out. Um, and I'll keep you in the loop as I do. Um, and you know, just not, you don't want to bash on the company, right? Because that doesn't end well. Um, for you, your career, like none of that. (laughs) But but at the same time, you know, being, being able to have that transparency with them of, Hey, I'm figuring this out. Um, and I've got your back. I'll keep having your back. And I, you know, that I think was the only reason that, you know, my team was still a team through that crazy period where no one was happy about coming into work when the, you know, commission checks dissipated overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly appreciate that. And I think the, you know, you point, you hit on a key point is how do you address that? You know, how do you upskill in your communication and how do you then, um, I guess, communicate that to your team that there's an issue and mm-hmm. that that's a, a skill in itself. Communication is a whole nother area. But um, I think the other thing you've pointed out too is you've gone from being a colleague Um, a team member as their team leader and I think that happens a lot in organizations and it happens a lot with a lot of my clients where all of a sudden they find themselves as the leader and they've been the colleague and and their whole roles changed and they have no idea then how they move yeah no I I agree and I think the first thing you know it's (laughs) funniest thing it's almost like you have to go through a uh, um you know, the five stages of mourning, right? You almost go through the stage of denial and then the stage yeah. of, you know, I can't remember all of them, but it, 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 it's very, or I feel is very similar. Um, just looking back on what I went through, trying to rectify that, trying to come to terms with all of that. That's an awesome point. I've never actually thought of it that way, but you're so correct. You, you have to go through, I guess, those emotions of, of going from a colleague to a manager and it's a tough it's tough to do because all of a sudden you may have to pull someone off or have that difficult conversation and it's really difficult it is it is and yeah and how do you do that you know to me one of the things I really relied on to help with my communication style was um I really really relied heavily on psychology understanding how people think, how people react, how people interact. Um, Those were, those were crucial to me to think and and just taking two minutes to think through, you know, how is what I'm going to say, what, what I'm going to say, how is it going to be perceived, right? By my boss, but also by my team. Um, And that was, that was one of the, I think that's, I've always had an obsession with psychology, but that was definitely where I started to actually see a practical application for psychology inside the workplace. Awesome. Absolutely. Uh, I have that philosophy that um, everyone generally comes to work to do the right thing, but stuff Mm -hmm. just gets in the way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like that. I like that. I completely agree. I think, I think people are not trying to be you know, they're not trying to be dissenters in your team. They're not trying to, they're not trying to make decisions that are going to screw other people over. It's just, you know, stuff happens. And, and there are, there's, you have to make the best decisions based on the information you have Yeah, as a leader, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So now as you've moved into a, your, your own business and as a leader there, what skills mm-hmm. have you needed to also upskill in? Um, you know, what things have been different for you as you've moved, I guess, into that next level of leadership? Well, what's one of the things that's been really interesting to me is really differentiating between management and leadership and that a great leader, a great boss has both skill sets, but recognizes that they're two different things. Um, you know, leadership is the inspiration the the person who shows up and, you know, will take the trash out themselves because that's who a leader is, right? The leader doesn't have a problem stepping up and doing everything, whatever's needed to get stuff done. Right. Yeah. Whereas a manager, also has this realization of, you know, I can totally take the trash out for Julia. However, by taking the trash out for Julia again, I'm actually crippling her. Yeah. And if I want to really like, I need to manage Julia to do her own job, right? The leader in me says, you know, I'm going to show Julia that I can, I I can step up as needed. Um, I want to help the the leader in me says, I want to help Julia become the best person that she can be. Right. And the manager says, yeah. And sometimes that means you have to do the stuff that she doesn't like. And that means calling her on the carpet for not taking the trash out. Right. When, when this is a reoccurring instance and there's no extenuating circumstances for why the trash hasn't been taken out. Right. And two completely separate skill sets. And that was very challenging for me to develop for myself. But then as I started bringing on a team, realizing I had to be able to do the same thing for my team, that was also incredibly difficult for me. Yeah. It's an interesting difference, isn't it? And I think in the, you know, previously it's been the belief that you're either a manager or a leader, but the actually Mm -hmm. skills that you need, you need both sets. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so because you know, as a leader, your job is, you're, you're the inspiration. You're the person who is bringing people together and, and getting them excited. Like you're the, you're that, that person, right? You're the one who gets people motivated. You're the person that everyone wants to do their best for because they don't want to disappoint you. That's the leader. The manager is the person who understands that they want to do their best for you. However, human beings have faults and flaws and habits. And so people need some support and they need some encouragement and they need some, some management where they are, you know, the parameters are clear and the boundaries are clear and the quality control standards are clear and the people are well-trained to hold them up so that they can do the best work for the leader, right? And being able to do the both sides, you know, it's very, it's incredibly challenging, but I don't, like I look back and I see how I was doing that for my team back when I worked in corporate, but I was doing it at a subconscious level. And so, you know, I wasn't doing it to the, you know, the way I do it now, which I feel is a much, much better balance. Yeah. Um, but I really do think you really need, you need to know who you are as a leader. What are your core characteristics? What's your mission statement? What's your point for you with your team? But you also have to manage people and provide them with the support that they need in order to excel. And yeah you need that whether you work inside a company, whether you own the company, whether you are managing yourself or you're managing an entire crew of 30, 40 or a hundred, 200 plus people. Correct. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many people you're managing or leading the skill set's still the same. Yes. Yes. Agreed. And, and that's, you know, that's a good point, right? It doesn't matter 
the, the application may be a little more challenging where you sit here and have to figure out, okay, how do I manage a hundred people versus three people? Yep. But the skill sets are going to be the same regardless. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good point. I like that. <laughs> what are you seeing different now in the workplace than previously? Oh, um, that's a really good question. I, I think there is, yeah, that's, it's hard to answer. Like my go-to is, you know, I think there's a lot more stress for hitting metrics and KPIs than there was previously. Um, but now people are also wanting people, you know, their, their teams to be happy, but I think they, there's a misunderstanding of, of what makes teams happy, what makes employees happy. Um, and you know, like for example, you know, there's this belief that, you know, foosball and beer Fridays (laughs) is what's going to make your employees happy to work for your company. But that's not, I mean, you know, I know a ton of people who are like, yeah, give me a good boss over a beer Friday. Like I don't really care about being able to drink beer at work. I want a boss who'll take care of me. I want to feel like I'm making a difference and making an impact. I want to see where my role is more than just a lackey, a cog in a wheel. And so I think there's this, there's a, a misguided emphasis on, um, you know, we still, we still have to balance your KPIs. You still have to hit your goals. You still have to do all this other stuff, but also your team needs to be happy. And, and there's no, you know, corporate makes this, this lackluster effort to make people happy with, like I said, foosball tables and happy hour Fridays and, you know, silly stuff, but there's very little training given to managers on how to manage a team to make them feel fulfilled and feel happy. And I think it's very frustrating for both the employees and the managers. Uh, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, I work with a number of managers that say my team's not happy and feel like that's their responsibility, but happiness is also a choice. Yeah. And um, what your role is as a leader is to actually give them the environment and lead them in a way that allows them to then make that choice. Um, yes. I completely agree. And see that, you know, there's only so much you can do, right? It still has to be a two-way street. If the, if your employee is unhappy and continues to be unhappy and you, you know, are legitimately making an effort. And, and I would say going into, you know, the psychology side, going into the emotional quotient side, going beyond, you know, dropping a a packet of M&Ms on their desk on Fridays, (laughs) Um, you know, that there's, if you're legitimately making an effort and you still have someone, you just may have someone who's not a good culture fit and it may be time for them to go find another place to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, you know what, that goes a long way for making you the, the rest of your team happy. Cause if you've got that bad apple in your team, everyone, no one's enjoying that person. No, <laughs> no. And I, I guess, you know, my HR background says that, you know, sometimes there are people who aren't a good fit or they've outgrown their role or whatever it is. And they may have been awesome. And then all of a sudden something, you know, something's happened and it could just mean that it's time for them to move on. And that's, that's yeah. okay. Well, and you know, and I think one of the things that I really encourage my, my clients to recognize too, is I know you're sitting here and you're thinking that you're doing that employee a favor by not moving them on, by not letting them go or not encouraging them to go find a job they're happier with. However, 
you're not, you're holding them back from being at a job they truly are happy with by keeping them here. You know, you're thinking you're doing them a favor when in reality you're, you're doing that thing. You know, it's kind of like the parent has to make a decision, right? Because if you let your kid do whatever your kid wants, they'll eat, you know, mac and cheese and cookies and play video games all day, right? Well, that's (laughs) not going to be a very happy kid long-term because their, their, their digestive system isn't going to work well. They're going to be grumpy. They're going to have sugar highs and lows, crashes, happy, unhappy, not getting out and move. I mean, you know where this is going, right? So when you, you know, as a parent, you have to make decisions. What does my kid need? versus what does my kid want and balancing the two. And that's something that we as managers and leaders have to do as well. And sometimes that comes down to letting an employee go because you know, it's what they need, even if it's not what they necessarily want. Although usually if your employee is super unhappy, it, it, it is what they want. They just won't admit it. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So if you had an opportunity to write a letter to your younger self about your experience, what would you tell yourself? I would tell younger Stephanie, first of all, I would tell her to relax a little. You're doing a good job. Stop stressing (laughs) out, freaking out so much. Second of all, one of the most important things that you can ever provide to your team is the space to be heard and to truly feel understood. And if you will focus on mastering that, leadership and management becomes a lot easier. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah a good one. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to send, I'm going to, cause I feel like, I feel like that's like a sum up of everything I've learned over the past like six years. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's about, um, you know, taking that step back and relaxing in the role. Yeah, yeah. it is. And it's not about, it's not about getting it perfect. You're never going to get it perfect. No. It's not about having all the answers. It's, you know, about being your genuine, authentic self, doing the best you can. I know yeah. these sound cliche. They really do. You know, I'm kind of hearing myself and going, oh my gosh, <laughs> start the sappy music here. Um, but it also is, you know, that we, we put so much stress on ourselves, so much pressure on ourselves. Yeah. Um, that's just not needed. And it, it actually limits our ability to be a good manager and to be a good boss. Cause when you're stressing out, you know, just coming at this from an emotional quotient standpoint, from a, from a, from a physiological standpoint. Yep. Okay. When you start to stress out, you get all of these hormones in your body, right? So you get epinephrine and uh, cortisol. And I can't remember the last one now, but there's another one that hits your system. And it's this great little cocktail of hormones that's called the fight or flight hormones. Yep. And what happens is it starts to pull the blood from your brain down into your lower limbs, right? So that you can either, you know, fight or flee. And so what happens is when it starts to pull the blood from your brain, your brain's operating on minimum oxygen now, which the purpose of oxygen in the brain 
is to provide, like is to help the brain process and think better. So when you stress yourself out, you are actually prohibiting your ability just to think. Correct. And if you can't think, you can't take care of yourself and you can't take care of your team. So the stress is actually destroying your ability to lead. So when I say relax, I mean it. I'm talking to my, my past self here like, <laughs> and my current self. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it is. It's such a stress is such a, um, I guess, an inhibitor to being an effective leader. Yeah, it is. But, but the way our, you wouldn't, you wouldn't guess it from the way our corporations are set up and the way businesses run today (laughs) because it's so incredibly stressful, but also like, it's like the, you know, the two, you know, the the monster and the devil and the angel, right? You got the boss going, hit your KPIs, do good, do good, take care of your team. Right. And then on the other side, it's like, oh, and be a good leader, be a good leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got right. It's like it's 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 the antithetical environment to actually being a good leader, mm-hmm. um, and, and yet we wonder why you know we have the kind of cultures and environments and you know uh, employee dissatisfaction is at all time highs. Yeah, yeah. I was reading a figure the other day that was saying that only thirteen percent are engaged. And yeah. And that's a scary figure, like 13%. Oh my goodness. Yes. I, I, yes, something, I think I read, I can't remember the number, but there was like, it was well over half, I think it was like in the eighties, um, are, are what, or maybe it was in the seventies, but are what they consider actively disengaged. So actively disengaged employees are the employees who are standing around the water cooler complaining. Yeah. Like not working, literally not just not working, but sucking down their employees to the other employees too. Mm. And so, you know, the, just the numbers are just, I, I just, I wonder how employee, how big business doesn't realize this is a bigger issue because could you imagine the profits they could put out if they, you know, just fixed this one little issue? Yeah. Right. Yep. I guess it's not so little, but. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. If that was a focus of leadership, of how you engage your people, and as we talked about earlier, you know, a lot of it does come back to how your leaders engage your people, then, you know, the difference, productivity, I think I I read recently productivity increases a minimum of 30%. So wow. That, that is huge. Could you imagine if you could get 30% more productivity from your team every year, yeah. how much more could you accomplish? I mean, not just you, but like I'm, I'm talking to our listeners right now. Like yeah. think about that for just a second. If you are paying someone, let's make, let's use round numbers because I flunked math twice in, in high school. So <laughs> we're going to use round numbers, make it easy. Let's say you're paying your client, let's say you're paying your employees $100,000 a year. Yeah. Okay. That's the equivalent of you getting a hundred and let's say you're making, again, using round numbers, let's say you're, let's say you're making a million dollars off each employee. I know it's not how it works, but we're going to pretend, right? That's, that's $300,000 a year more in revenue. Yep. Because you got 30% more out of that employee. I mean, just the, it's just insane why we don't put more of an emphasis on this. Yeah. When you start putting the maths together, absolutely, it um, it it makes sense. 
make sense yep. engage your people and make sure you upskill your leaders yeah it does you know and and it doesn't have to be crazy difficult i mean you could totally hire um you know you could hire someone to come in and do which i highly recommend i think doing retreats and having leadership retreats where you bring your team together and have them learn from an expert is really really valuable that's that's time you can't you know, I think you get a lot further with stuff like that, but you know, it could be something as simple as having a leadership book club where you have a once a, once a week team meeting and everyone's going through a book together, right? A leadership book. Um, and you're talking about what we read and here's how I was applying this stuff each week. You know, that yeah. can, it can be that simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be convoluted. Um, and I, I just, I just, I hope more businesses will be inclined to to dedicate themselves to helping their leadership develop. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just in finishing, although I'm really loving this talk, <laughs> is there anything you'd like to tell younger emerging leaders that would help them simplify the complexities of managing their people? You know, I think what I would say is, is going to be a little bit, a little bit broader. I think it's just going to be, Commit yourself to the concept of always be learning. You know, if you're willing to commit yourself to continuing your, your education, you know, I saw this crazy statistic a few years back that just scared the ever-living everything out of me. And that is that, you know, somewhat, somewhere around 80% of college graduates will never pick up another nonfiction book again in their life. Wow. And it blew me away. But I realized, you know, I, I, what, what scared me most when I read this statistic was that I was a college graduate who hadn't picked up, picked up a nonfiction book in the past three years. Wow. Yep. And I had this moment of, that doesn't sound right. Oh my gosh, I'm one of them. Because I spent all this time in college and reading so much. I thought I had it figured out. But if you were willing to commit yourself, I mean, you're listening to podcasts, so you know that's got to be, you know, you, you know you're already doing some of this. But yeah. if you're really willing to commit to read one leadership book a month, find one tool from each book you read that you'll implement for you and your team, um, you know, that will go the longest way for you. And you'll learn to manage not just yourself and not just your team, but you'll also learn to manage your leaders and your bosses and the people over you and help them be better leaders as well. Because they've shown that, you know, the higher your emotional quotient level, the higher your ability to be a leader, you create a ripple effect. Yes. And the impact you have on the people around you's lives is truly, truly next level. Yep. Yep. That's awesome, Stephanie. Yeah. I love that. There you go. That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I have so enjoyed our conversation and um, I really love learning from you. And it sounds like there's a lot of synergies between the <laughs> how we think in terms of leadership. But um, I, I so appreciate Thank your you. time and um, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. And like I said, for doing this podcast on this topic. And, and I just, I so appreciate what you're doing here for these, these leaders who are just, you know, it, I, I just, I can't imagine how different my life 
would have been if I had had a podcast like this when I was, when I was in my, you know, early stages with, with corporate. So thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining me. And what an awesome interview. I hope you got as much from Stephanie as I did. If you would like to contact Stephanie, you can find her details in the show notes. Or if you'd like to chat to me, you can also find me at wendy at wendytansy.com or on LinkedIn and Instagram. Thank you again for joining me this week on the Emerging Leaders Podcast. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you.